God, we are, we are always mindful of how desperate we, we are for you. And uh, God, I thank you that you are a God of grace. And I thank you that you love us so much. I thank you for our church. I thank you for every person that is here. And uh, God, I thank you that we are a family. And God, I pray that we would uh, be led by your Spirit. God, I pray that we would have those cultural values that we, that we crave so much. And uh, God, I pray that you would keep us together, keep us grounded in uh, your love and in your truth. And uh, God, may we as a church do your will. God, I'm so thankful. As we think of uh, the, even the stuff that's happening this summer, I'm excited about things like Vacation Bible School and just the, the reaching out into our community. But God, in all of these things, we need your help. And so we pray that you would bless us. Bless this sermon now. Give me the words. Uh, I am utterly dependent upon you for this as well. Speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Last Sunday was Father's Day. Hope all you dads had a good Father's Day. Uh, we had an opportunity to go out to eat uh, last, last Sunday night. And uh, as we were eating there, I got up to refill my drink. And when I got back, my son gave me a cookie and said, Happy Father's Day. And I said, Dawson, you got to pay for that cookie. Uh, I was sitting there, the cookies were sitting there on the counter, and I thought he had just taken it. But the restaurant owner speaks up and says, no, no, don't worry about it. I gave it to him. Happy Father's Day. Well, then our daughter, Kinsey, wants to give a cookie as well. And uh, so she kind of begins to have a meltdown to the point where the restaurant owner feels obligated to give her a cookie so she can turn around and give me a cookie, which I'm not, uh, I'm not complaining about. I got two cookies out of the deal. Uh, but uh, the only reason Kinsey wanted to give a cookie was because she, thought, she saw how I appreciated the cookie that her brother had given me. And ministry is kind of like that as well. There's a, there's a contagiousness about it that when we, uh, when we serve one another and when we see the, the joy of of giving in other people's lives, and we're, we're inspired by that. Today is, in a sense, the, the last sermon in this series on Ministry Matters. I'm going to have a sermon next week, but it'll be shorter in nature because of the ministry fair. And so th- this morning we want to talk one more time about serving uh, both in our lives outside of the church and within the church. And so I have entitled today's message serving what's in it for me now that's kind of a that's meant to be a title that gets your attention when you serve you're not trying to serve yourself but there are benefits to to serving and so we want to talk about what are some of the benefits to serving and i want to make three points about the the joy of serving and the first is this that serving is contagious serving is contagious when we see others serving and giving their lives to the Lord and, and it appears winsome and, it be, and it's attractive, it's, that spreads. We're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 
And, and in chapter 9, it talks about giving. The church in Corinth has, is giving a, 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 an offering of money to, the, to those in Jerusalem to help them in their time of need. And so the passage is specifically talking about money, and we're talking about giving our service, but the principles are the same, and these are really helpful. The, the first principle that we, the first point is, uh, is grounded in verses 1 and 2. Serving is contagious. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 1 and 2. There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people. For I know your eagerness to help. There's there's this desire, this desire to be involved in ministry. Uh, And I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you and Achaia were ready to give and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. So Paul is saying, hey, I've noticed that you have wanted to give generously and I've used you to brag to other people to motivate them to serve as well. The situation is sometimes, the situation that's being talked about here in this passage is sometimes called, just referred to as quote-unquote the collection. In the first century, many Christians were beginning to have a hard time and were facing persecution. But the hardest time was felt by the Christians in Jerusalem. They seemed to be getting it more than anyone else. Their goods were being confiscated and they were facing famine. And so the churches that Paul had influence over, churches like Corinth, he encouraged them to take up an offering that could be passed on to the Jerusalem Christians. Now of all the churches that Paul uh, offered this opportunity to, the church at Corinth jumped on it. And Paul used them to, like I said, just to brag on others and to say, hey, to to brag on them, to say, hey, look at what they're doing. And it wasn't that they were trying to twist their arm. It It was out of a motivation of saying, hey, you've got an opportunity as well. Let's all jump on board. And here is an opportunity to serve those Christians in Jerusalem who are your brothers and sisters who have a need. I understand this as a pastor. I do this kind of thing all the time. I see somebody doing a good work. Or I see somebody involved in ministry and it's inspiring to me and I'll brag on them to others. I'll say, hey, look what so-and-so is doing. Not because I want to twist their arm to get involved. Well, that's actually what I do want to do. But my, but my motives are pure. It's not that I just want to make them busy. It's what I, I, want, to, I, want, to have, I want to see them have the joy of being able to serve the Lord and be used by Him. There is tremendous fulfillment in that. There is, there, there is personal benefits and growth that when we are used by God, we experience so much. I've experienced it. I'll be honest, every time I get up to preach, I get more out of it than when I sit in the pew to listen. Now, I get a lot out of that, but, I get, but there is, there's a benefit for me to be able to preach or to teach. And some of you that are involved in teaching, do you not learn more when you have the opportunity to be in that leadership role? I've learned so much by just being able to sit and get to know someone or to offer them counsel or encouragement. And then our hearts are knit together. In other words, I benefit from it. 
when, we, when uh, I've been able to have the opportunity to give generously like these Corinthians, I've learned to trust the Lord and I've, my, I've learned to grow in my joy in giving. When I've been able to work with kids and minister to children, then that, that childlike joy wells up. So in other words, all I'm saying is we get so many great things that we want to that, that uh, spread this joy of being able to serve. Serving uh, should be contagious. Second thing I see in this passage, and this is going to be found in verses 6 through 11, but the point is, in life you reap what you sow. So in other words, we want to encourage people to to serve because they're going to reap the benefits of it. In life you reap what you sow. Read with me verses 6 through 11. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you may abound in every good work. As it is written... Those who have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and you will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity will, will result in, and, your, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So what Paul is saying here is if you sow generously, you'll reap generously. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. And this applies to so many areas of life, right? The passage is specifically talking about giving of our tithes and our offerings, giving generously to, uh, to those in need. And it says if you sow generously, you'll reap generously. It applies to service with the Lord. When we give generously to the Lord, we will reap the benefits. And so along these lines, let me point out four principles. Principles of reaping and sowing. The first principle is the principle of identity. You reap what you sow. So in other words, if you reap... uh, if you, if, you, if you sow uh, God's righteousness, you will reap what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. Love, this is, what will come, this is what will well up in our hearts. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit. You see, if you plant in your garden tomato plants... You don't expect to uh, harvest strawberries, right? You reap what you sow. And if you sow things that are not of the Lord, those are the type of things that are going to well up in your heart. Chelsea and I uh, went to a play last night. I'm going to bring it up on my phone because I didn't have a chance. This was last night. I didn't have a chance to put this in my notes last night. But we went to a one-man act, a one-man show, and uh, I, I, I quickly took down some notes uh, and I and I went back and I looked up the lyrics online, and uh, 
this applies to what we're talking about here. Listen to these words. I should have these on the screen, because, but this is really good. Every man because the, becomes the image of the God he adores. He whose, he whose worship is directed to a dead thing becomes dead. He who loves corruption rots. He who loves a shadow becomes himself a shadow. He who loves things that must perish lives in the dread of their perishing. In other words, we reap what we sow. If we sow righteousness, we will reap righteousness and the grace of God in our lives. That's the principle of identity. The principle, second principle, principle of increase. You reap more than you sow. My dad's a farmer. Plant corn every uh, spring. And uh, you get all these bags. My dad has several hundred acres, and so he plants several hundred bags of seed. But if he only harvested several hundred bags of seed, there would be a problem. You expect to harvest more than what you sow. And that is the truth in, in the life of service to God as well. We get back so much more than what, we'd ever give, uh, what we ever put into it. And that is a blessing we're talking about ministry, serving, what, uh, what's in it for me. We get so much. We reap more than what we sow. Hosea 8, 7 says, For they sow the wind and they reap the whirlwind. And uh, we sow so much. Uh, t- when we give to the Lord, God gives back to us more than what we could ever ask or imagine. Third principle, the principle of interval. You reap after you sow. I am not a good gardener because I am not a patient person. Ask my wife. Uh, I am not a patient person by nature. And so when you plant, you got to give it time, right? You water and the sunlight comes and eventually a little uh, sprout comes up. But it takes time until eventually you have the, the fruit or the grain or whatever it is that you have planted. And ministry is like that. We serve working with the kids or, or we serve uh, uh, teaching a small group or, or we serve in various ways. And sometimes we want the results to be immediate, but it takes time. And there is a temptation to, to maybe give up. Even, in fact, the Corinthians in this passage had a temptation to say, you know what, I'm gonna, I don't want to give. But uh, Paul says in verse 7, to give what they have decided in their hearts to give. There is this period of this principle of interval. And that's why it's important for us to make a decision. That's why we're emphasizing here in this service, in this series, what's your go serve? Outside of the church and in the church, how are you going to serve the Lord? Because you need to uh, settle on it in your heart and in your mind. Because I guarantee you the t- the that there will be difficulties that come. When we serve in ministry, sometimes we wake up and you just say, forget it, I'm not doing it any longer. And that's when we fall back on, no, this is what the Lord wants me to do. And a sense of calling. And so we will, we will uh, keep going. Today is a day where Shugo has already been highlighted. So let me highlight him one more time. Uh, congratulations again, Shugo. I had a conversation with Shugo. I love Shugo like a brother. And uh, he and I got together for lunch uh, here a week ago or so. And uh, Shugo was the youth director of uh, our youth group for a long time. And he needed to step back and take a break. And he says, 
I can't do it anymore. I got to get in the game. It's kind of like your star player says, uh, you put him on the bench and he said, rest for a minute. And then he's like, come on, coach, put me in. And it's a, it's part of his DNA. There's that principle of identity. And I hope that all of us, it is, it's, it comes out of a desire. Jerry Bridges reflects on Jesus's life and he talks about how Jesus determined in his own life to follow the Lord. Let me read you a quote here I like. We could say that Jesus not only desired to do God's will, he also delighted in doing it. Once he even said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. You see, it becomes a part of us. And so we fall back. And so I want to encourage us, what is it that God has called us to do? And not just a sense, not just serving out of a sense of duty, but out of a sense of delight. That's why we've organized ministry around this, this APES model, understanding that each of us, our hearts are directed in different ways. Some of us have one bent towards this and another bent towards that. And we want to encourage us to follow the bent in which God has, has formed us to go in the direction that God has given us passion for because then there is the joy, there's that delight in ministry. Paul talks about here in this passage being a cheerful giver. There's that joy. The the word for cheerful here is hilarion, from which we get the English word hilarious. And what is a when something is hilarious, it's like laugh out loud funny, right? You slap the table. Oh man! (laughs) And we just keep, and it's just, it comes out of us. And that's what we want when we think of ministry and serving. Just this overflowing, a giving of a, with abandonment, a reckless pleasure. May God stir that up within us that we would cheerfully give of our time and of our treasures, of our talents, that we, that we would be able to do the, the Lord's work. And there's joy in that. In the movie Chariots of Fire, Olympian uh, Eric Lydell said, I believe God made me for a purpose. When I run, I feel his pleasure. And God has made all of us for a purpose. And when we do, when we follow him in what he has called us to do, we feel his pleasure. That's when we have that joyful, that cheerful heart. And so now the last point about... uh, Uh, The joy of serving, point three, serving God has many benefits. I see at least five in verses 12 and 14, and so we'll go through these quickly, but let me read verses 12 and 14. Try to pick up on some of the benefits here even as I read it. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. So five benefits. Uh, Let me just highlight... Uh, there, there probably is more, but these are the five I picked out. 
Benefit number one, in verse 12, it supplies the needs of God's people. When we serve others, we're meeting needs, right? And that's a wonderful benefit because all of us are are geared towards that. We want to see others' needs. We care about people. And so we want to see the needs of others, uh, of the needs around us met. In the workbook that has gone with this series, uh, the Ministry Matters workbook, one of the questions that uh, we have wrestled with is, what do you see as the greatest need in the world? And so I've asked a lot of people that question over the last few months. What do you see as the greatest need? And I've had a whole bunch of different answers. Answers of evangelizing the lost, of, of uh, ministering to, to, to caring for the needs of our, our children and youth, of, of helping the poor. Uh, I had someone tell me that the greatest need they see in the world today is, is ministering to the mentally ill. Another said to do missions. Another said to, to provide support for families in our, in our culture today. And to every answer, every diverse answer, all I can say is, yes, that's right. That is what the Lord's greatest need is. The Lord sees as the greatest need. You see, God has burdened all of our hearts in different ways, and that is a wonderful thing when we can be able to follow our heart's desire as God lays it upon our hearts. We've said it before, but let me read this quote again. I love this quote from Frederick Buchner. Calling is the place where your deep gladness and the, world deep, and the world's deep hunger meet. So what do you see as the needs around us? One of the benefits is it helps us to supply the needs of others. Another is that it awakens gratitude. Again, latter part of uh, verse 12. Overflowing in many ex- expressions of thanks to God. When we serve, it is an opportunity for us to both express our gratitude for God, to God saying, thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for me. It's an, it's an act of thanksgiving, but it also stirs up gratitude in others so that they might be able to give thanks. What are some of the things that you are thankful for today? What are some of the things that you are thankful to God for? His forgiveness? Answered prayer, help in a time of need, reconciliation of a relationship, God's strength and power to resist temptation. And we could make a long list giving wisdom to get God's wisdom to make good decisions. And and when we serve, what we are doing is we're saying, thank you, God, for all that you have done for me. Paul talks about it as an overflowing expression of thanks. Uh, I think I've used this illustration before, but I'm going to use it again because I got such a kick out of it. I was in a, a McDonald's a couple years ago, and there's this little boy whose eye wasn't quite tall enough to see when his cup at the fountain machine was going to fill up. And so he's got his glass up there fick- filling it up with Coke, the type of kid that really shouldn't be drinking Coke in the first place. I mean, I can tell this is a kid that's going to be bouncing off the walls. He's a character of a kid. But he's up there filling it up, and he can't tell when it's full. And I'm just watching, like, what's this kid going to do? And pretty soon it starts flowing over the edge. And he should pull it out, right? But no, he thinks this is hilarious. 
and he just lets it keep on coming and Coke's going all over the place and he's laughing away seeing this overflow of Coke. And I wonder, in our own lives, if sometimes we get that... That's what ministry should be, an overflow of what, is it, what God has done in our hearts. God, thank you so much for the wisdom and the help that you've given me. May, I, oh, may that just overflow into others' lives. Thank you for the forgiveness that you have given me. May I extend that to others. Thank you for how you have reconciled this relationship. May I be used by you to help others reconcile. That's what ministry is. It's an overflow of thanksgiving. It's an over, it's, it comes out of our lives so that it spreads to others. Third benefit, it proves your character. Verse 13, because of this service by which you have proved yourself, when you serve... Then it, uh, then it shows what you're all about. If we are all about selfish things, our lives are all about who, uh, glorifying ourselves and doing everything so we'll look good, or that comes out. But when our lives are directed towards others and glorifying God, service proves our character. Next one, verse 13, it says, Others will praise God. Service causes others to praise God. I want us to just take a minute and imagine something with me. Let, let's, let's just get a vision. What if, because of our service, just packed out, I mean, to the walls, just full here and it's and it's because people have heard the gospel and been helped and now they've come and their desire is to praise God and that's a that's a vision that expire that inspires me that God just do it in our midst help us to be used by you so that you will be honored and praised that others will be drawn to praise you and then not just a vision within this walls but can you imagine someday we will be before the very throne of God and there may be a brother here and a sister in the Lord here that that have been touched by our lives and now we stand before God and they are there because of our ministry and our service are going out of our way to share the love of Christ with them. Now, is that not a vision worth hanging on to? And this is a benefit. It causes others to praise God. Jesus taught us, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust do destroy and where thieves do break in and steal. How do you store up for yourselves treasures in heaven? In my judgment, there are two things that will last in heaven. One is the praise of God and two is the people that are there. And so it seems to me that if we are to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven, we ought to be investing in the lives of those who will be there and helping stir up praise for God there. Those are the things that last. And then the last benefit, verse 14, it wins the favor of others. Verse 14, it says, their hearts will go out to you. In other words, they'll look up to you and they'll be happy about it and you'll win their favor. Acts 
2.47 says that the early church was enjoying the favor of all the people. And when we give our lives in service to others, we win the favor of others. Now that does not mean that that is a universal uh, uh, truth, that all the time everyone will love us if we serve them. Now that's, that we know from experience is not always the case. Some will hate us simply because we are Christians. Those in the darkness hate the light. And nothing we can do about that. But what we are called to do is to love others and show them kindness and generosity and respect. And in the process, we will win the favor of some. In 1888, and I'm going to... Well, you know... Um, okay, I have. See, this is where, as a preacher, you always have a decision to make. Are you going to go over a couple minutes, or are you going to end on time? I already started my illustration. We're going over a couple minutes. Sorry. Uh, in 1888, uh, a newspaper made a horrible mistake. Uh, they published an obituary article about someone who was not dead, and uh, so the man got his newspaper, and they had mixed up him and his brother. He was still alive. His brother was dead. But the article was written about his life, and the headline read, The Merchant of Death is Dead. And Alfred Noble sat there, a Swedish chemist, and he read about how others viewed his life. Alfred uh, Noble was, a chemi- was the chemist who invented dynamite. And as he read this article, he realized that what he would be remembered uh, for was that his dynamite caused many people's deaths. And so his head dropped into his hand, and he thought long and hard about how he would be remembered and what he would be known for. And he made a decision that day that going forward, he wanted to change his legacy. And so he dedicated his wealth to funding awards for those whose work benefited humanity. And so to this day, we have the Nobel Prizes. And he had a rare opportunity, an opportunity that I hope we don't read our own obituary someday, but an opportunity that we may have even today to examine our lives and to say, what would I be known for? Would I be known uh, for those things that would cause people to be led away from the Lord? Would I be known even for just building myself up? Or would I be known for a life that is lived in service to God and others? The last sentence in this passage is a benediction. It says, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. What is the indescribable gift? Very good question. I wrestled long and hard about this one. I was trying to... What is Paul talking about specifically? What is the indescribable gift? I did some research. One commentator says it is the gift of money that the Corinthians are giving to the the Christians in Jerusalem. That's That's a gift. It's an indescribable gift. That could be it, but that doesn't seem indescribable. That seems very describable to me. A second commentator uh, that I read says that the gift is, and this 
seems more plausible, but I'm still not quite sure. The gift of reconciliation, that these Gentile Christians are helping the Jewish Christians, the reconciliation that the gospel gives. Still not quite convinced. A third says the indescribable gift is God's gift of a Savior to a lost and dying world. The big picture of the gift that God has given us. Could be it, but the more I've studied it, here is my conclusion. The indescribable gift is the ability to give away what God has first given to you. To me, that is really amazing. It reminds me of Kinsey in the restaurant. Here's, she has no right to get a cookie. She's done nothing to deserve it. Uh, she's having a temper tantrum, and that's the reason she gets her cookie. Uh, but she gets a cookie so that she can turn right around and give it to me as a Father's Day gift. And we have done nothing to earn God's love and His salvation. And yet He pours it out on, in, in our lives so that we can turn around and give it away freely to someone else. And that, to me, is an amazing thought. That is what ministry is all about, no matter whether it is done here or done in our homes or done in our communities or however that looks. Whenever we have an opportunity to give away God's love because He first loved us, that is an amazing thought. And that's what I think is behind this benediction. That thanks be to God for His indescribable gift that He has given us so much that we can now turn around and give it to others, to, to those that need God's love as well. And so now let me close us with the question that we have been wrestling with for the last several uh, weeks. And that is this. What is your go serve? How will you be used by the Lord to be able to receive from Him and to turn around and to offer that to someone else? Let's pray. Father God, I thank You for today. And I thank You for Your tremendous love to us. I thank you that you have given us so much. And God, I pray that we would be faithful to turn around and to give it away. Your love and your grace and your forgiveness and all of these things so that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.